Welcome to the Heart of Money podcast, where we discuss the impact that money has on every area of your life, and where you can learn to make smarter money decisions. Join our conversation as we discuss our past experiences, talk about how to make better money management choices, and in the end, make a commitment to being weird. Hey folks, welcome back to the Heart of Money, episode 46. I am your host, Austin Black, and I am joined by my co-host, Bob Wessler, who will be here in a minute as we continue our series on stewardship and negotiation tactics. Last week, we talked about the concept of stewardship, of money management, of why it's our responsibility to make wise purchasing decisions with our money. And this week, we're going to jump into more of the negotiation tips and tactics as um, Bob shares his strategies for getting the best purchase, and as we as we talk about just ways that you can negotiate without feeling like it's you're in a pressured environment that you're having to make the best thing happen. Um, so for you ladies out there that are listening to this, this will give you some inspiration and some encouragement to go do your own form of negotiating and get the best purchase for your for your dollar. So let's jump right into episode forty six. And so, so with that that background in place, um, whenever it comes to being purposeful, <clears throat> being a good steward, being intentional, being um, uh, dedicated and disciplined to your financial management, I think one area that <clears throat> probably a lot of people could uh, could improve upon it, and I'm not saying that because you know, people don't do a good job of this, but I don't think enough people do this. You know, we, the negotiating, I don't think enough people probably, um, see negotiating as an important part of their financial management. And I'm, I'm going to caveat this whole piece with, I'm not talking about trying to juice someone down. I'm not talking about being a penny pincher. I'm not talking about trying to take advantage of anybody. I'm talking about having, I mean, making a smart financial purchase. And typically this, these are going to be larger purchases, or they may just be purchases with another individual, you know, probably not going to be a grocery store purchase, probably not going to be, you know, going to buy gas, none of that. You know, we're talking specified, intentional, um, singular transactions that, that you are, are taking place in. But I, I am an avid negotiator. Um, I see it as not only a, a challenge, but also an opportunity. And I see it a important part of managing my money to make it stretch, to make it last, to get the most for my dollar, to make my hard earned money, you know, perform to the utmost ability. So that, that's the angle I'm coming from in, in this concept. Um, so I, I wanted to, to kind of caveat and frame that. Um, Bob, I know I've got some negotiating tips and tactics that work for me, and I'm sure you probably have some for you. One thing before we we jump into those um, tactical pieces is I'm sure there's probably some people out there, and especially um, the females, the women that, that are listening, that the word negotiation makes them a little nervous, makes them a little uncomfortable. You know, it's like, well, that means I have to maybe say no or, you know, uh, be more, more stern or more, you know, 
focused on not just buying, you know, what if, what if someone, you know, doesn't want to negotiate, you know, how do I handle it then? So we're, we're going to kind of shed some light on the, the feminine side of negotiation. Cause I think men naturally are better. They're not better. They're, they're more inclined to it. Probably would be a better way of saying that. Um, but I want to help the women out in our, in our listening audience, give them some strategies. So, um, so ladies, as we go into this, um, don't let the word negotiating and, you know, whatever title you want to put, don't let it scare you. Let it empower you to take control of your money and to be smart about your purchases and not get taken advantage of because there are some people out there. They're probably going to try to sell you something for more than it's worth to so be smart about it. So Bob, what are, what are your, I've kind of rambled on here. What are your thoughts, your, your experiences, your tactics around negotiating its purpose, its need and how to do it well? Well, I, I'm going to say this is probably another one of those areas where you purposefully have me on the show because I have a very much different line of thinking than you do because I am not a strong negotiator. Um, but what I do is I don't like to pay full price for anything. So I do a lot of research. I do a lot of looking around. I do a lot of shopping around. So there are other ways to negotiate other than to get into a bartering match or a, um, a back and forth of who's going to end up winning per se, because really a negotiation needs to be where both sides win, that the seller gets a price that's fair to them and the buyer gets a price that they feel comfortable with paying. Um, you know, the easy answer, Austin, your question was if, you know, what if they say no? Well, you either accept the answer and pay what they're offering or you walk away. I'm not always good at the walking away part, but that's usually because I've spent so much time to figure out what I want in the first place to know that the price that I'm that's listed or offered um, is a good deal. So uh, I think. Austin, I want to send it back to you from the standpoint of the negotiating tips before I give some other options uh, besides negotiating. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're doing that. Um, it is so interesting that, you know, we share so many of the same <clears throat> philosophies, and yet we have so many different attitudes towards it that, that are really well balanced so that is why i have you on the show because you sometimes get to to change the conversation to the to a different avenue that works out well for us <laughs> well it, um, I, ironically i tend to be the introvert you wouldn't know it from this conversation but i tend to be the more that's internalizing and thinking and you tend to be the more outward <laughs> approachable kind um you know people see me in a dark alley yeah. they don't want to see me in a dark alley <laughs> you on the other hand they gladly see you in a dark alley I digress, but anyway. <laughs> if you only saw Bob's face, you know what we're talking about. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, so, you know, I have not always been a, a confident negotiator, I, and I'm still not in certain instances, um, but I definitely... I, I will not pay the asking price if at all possible. I will always either, you know, make a better deal or like you say, you know, walk away. Um, <clears throat> I've got a couple of stories that I don't have time to share here about negotiating that are pretty funny. 
Um, but they deal with a retail location, a mattress, and $500. I'm going to leave it at that. And if you want to know more, <laughs> you come over to the Facebook group and ask me about it. Um, but the the interesting thing about negotiating from what I have learned, what I've experienced, and I think that this was put into terms best <clears throat> by a gentleman, I cannot recall his name, but he was on the Story Brand podcast with Donald Miller's where I, where I heard him. Um, so I'll have to go back and find out who he was. Um, but they were talking about a book on negotiating and it was basically presented as there are two kinds of people that are going to enter a negotiating conversation, which means there are three results that you're going to end up with. <clears throat> Those two people, one is going to, um, be, you know, we, we consider the dominant negotiator, which, which means they have to be the one to have you know, the best deal or come out on top, you know, feel like they are, are successful in their negotiating ability. The other kind of person is a person who just wants everyone to win. She wants everyone to be fair, wants it to be a good price, wants both sides to feel like they came out fair and equal and satisfied. So because these two kinds of people, there's three ways that a negotiation can happen. You can either have two people that both want it to be fair, in which case there, there won't be much negotiating because they both just want each other to be happy about it. You can have two people, one of which is a dominant and one of which wants everyone to be happy, in which case the dominant will win. And then you've got two dominants that will you know, negotiate to the end of the earth, in which case the best deal will come to fruition because one of them, or they will both be so eager to win that they will make the very best possible deal happen that cannot be passed up. So those are the three instances um, that, that I heard about. Now, I myself am definitely a dominant negotiator, but I'm not the most dominant negotiator. So there will be instances in which I probably am not going to have the stamina and the endurance to come out on top. But I dang sure I'm not just going to walk away at the first price. So my suggestions on how to, from a less masculine but still confident standpoint to negotiate, you know, one of the things is what you mentioned before, and that's the research. You have to know what you're dealing with. You have to know the price point. You have to know the market. You have to know what the item is worth, both in the market and to you. Um, I think that's probably where a lot of times people fail in their negotiations is they don't have a good understanding of the market value and they don't have a good understanding of what they are actually willing to spend on an item. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we are willing to spend more than an item is worth. Sometimes we honestly won't be able to spend what the item is going to cost. So knowing both of those pieces, I think is really important. Um, after that, then, you have to have some interest in getting a deal. And I mean by deal is something that is not the asking price. The asking price, in my opinion, is never the selling price. The asking price is what I would like someone to pay. But if I'm going to come in and negotiate, I'm going to offer a lower number that, and I'm not going to pay that unless that is the only way I can buy the item and I have to have that item. In which case, obviously that there is no negotiating. Um, mm. But being able to walk in and demand a deal takes the level of confidence, um, takes the ability to say, 
that's not good enough. It takes the ability to say, <clears throat> what if you take this away? Or would you take this? Or what's your bottom dollar? And not feel like you're insulting the person. Because I think that's, that's probably, there's probably two main reasons why women don't negotiate is they don't want to insult the seller and they don't have the confidence to demand a, a lower price. And there may be folks who disagree with me and that's fine. I'm not a woman. I don't experience those, but that is my assessment. And that is my kind of assumption based upon what I have seen um, in, in transactions with, with women. So if you do any research, if you are confident in your ability to get a deal, then it just comes down to honestly, the strategy of negotiating, in my opinion. How do, how do you make sure that, that you insist on the lower price? <clears throat> how do you show them that you are only willing to pay if it's a lower price? So that may have that may be having a water hundred dollar bills in your hand. That may be having the walk away effect where you're going to literally leave if you don't get to buy. Um, but displaying that authority in your purchasing power that says, I don't care what you think this is worth. I do care, but I don't. This is what I'm willing to spend. This is why I'm willing to spend this much. And if I don't get to spend this much, I'm not going to buy. I'm going to leave. Those are the, are the three main elements. You know, I, I could, I could go into depth on, you know, buying an auction or, or buying, you know, a vehicle or the different strategies within those different environments. But from a big picture standpoint, it's the research, it's the confidence, and it's the control that you exhibit in your buying power. Hey ladies, today's episode is brought to you by my online community, The Heart of Money, Financial Guidance and Accountability for Couples. This free Facebook group is an extension of The Heart of Money podcast and all couples are welcome. Come join this tribe where you can learn, share, and encourage each other in your quest for financial independence. Financial growth is best achieved by learning from those who have taken the journey and found success. So head on over to freedommoneycoach.com slash community, or you can click the link in the show notes to join the Heart of Money group. Overall, the ability to say no. I think there's a lot of it that being able to say no to an offer or coming back to the table. Again, that goes back to the, that's not good enough idea. Uh, but just being able to have the freedom to say no, that you don't agree. Uh, the research, yes, big part of it. Um, I was trying to look up the different books that I knew that were good um, options uh, that I knew for negotiating. I'm going to guess the guy's name was Roger Fisher. Uh, the book that he had, it's 25 years old at this point. It's called Secrets of Power Negotiating. Not that I'm necessarily endorsing him, but he's one of a few authors that has books um, that have been recommended to me on negotiation. Um, There is, and I'm going to pull these out because I've got them up here. Uh, One I don't know, but it is called The Woman's Guide to Successful Negotiation. So, or Successful Negotiating. That one, again, not known by me, but it's got a different um, aspect to it. So it is more attuned to many in our audience. 
there are two others that I know that have been good books. It's Negotiating the Non-Negotiable and Never Split the Difference. So you can, you know, flip it, reverse it, listen to this a couple times, find those books many different places. Yep. Um, but Negotiating the Non-Negotiable, Never Split the Difference, and what I say the other one was secrets of power negotiating. There are also ones that are specific to women. So I think to expand on what you're talking about with negotiation, the whole idea is you're not willing to pay full price, but you also need to know what a reasonable price is. And in the age of the internet with search engines, with other options to compare like items, you can get an idea of what the high and the low. And I know that there are even um, shopping apps or add-ons that will tell you, hey, this is the high price, this is the low price, and this is what you can expect and how much it's changed recently. Um, that's if you're doing online yeah. shopping. <clears throat> the great thing with smartphones <clears throat> is you can be somewhere and you can look stuff up on the spot. Salespeople hate that, but you can right. do it. Um, I I think that one of the big things, and you mentioned this is how badly do you need the item? If you need the item today, you're paying full price. But if you're in a situation that, you know, there's an opportunity for negotiation, you still ask if they'll take less because if you don't ask, I I have a little bit of, of counter to that comment though. Okay. Um, and and I'll, I'll go back to my, my truck buying story um, <clears throat> because I think this is a spot that a lot of people fail to adequately negotiate as when it comes to buying a vehicle. Um, there's a lot of emotion tied up in buying a vehicle. There's a lot of timeliness sometimes, especially in a hot market. If you don't buy it, someone's probably going to. Um, whenever mm-hmm. we bought our truck, it was a deal where I, I had, if I was going to get that vehicle, I had to make that deal happen that day. You know, I was three or four hours from home. I was on my way back from holiday stuff. It was only going to happen then and there. Um, but as I got to talking with the gentleman and <clears throat> realized he is willing to, to negotiate on this more, even more than I expected to, you know, that door got opened up. I think a lot of people would be surprised at how willing sellers are to move an item if they know they have a willing and able buyer with the money that's going to walk away when they could mm-hmm. make that purchase. So, you know, you, you say, you know, if, if you have to have it that day, it's probably gonna be full price. I see, I know where you're coming from, but I kind of counter that a little bit <clears throat> and that if the seller knows you have to have the item and, and you're going to, you're going to walk away if you don't get it, they're probably going to move a little bit and you're probably going to be able to have the better hand in that, especially if you got the money in hand. But that only works if you know that you're going to walk away and you have another option. If you are hell bent on that item, it doesn't matter. You're not going to walk away with a lower price (laughs) and the seller, a seller will know that. Um, and you had that conversation that got you to a point where you understood more give and take than you initially expected. So outside of the negotiating per se, um, there are many places you can negotiate the other places. Um, you know, you've had much better luck with 
paying with cash than I have. Um, I, there was one time that I, I got a better deal because I paid with cash, but then I actually paid with cash and the guy didn't like the fact that I paid in cash rather than writing Mm -hmm. a check only because it saved him. You know, he still had to carry the cash thousands of dollars in cash, but a check would have been much better for him. He still recorded, you know, the transaction, but he didn't have to pay a processing fee um, on a credit card or whatever. So, but in most cases, me carrying around a bunch of cash has not influenced a seller enough to come down significantly. And you've done better with that than I have. Again, that's my introvert. Um, but stand maybe that's gram, just man, stand Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but the other side of negotiation, um, and this goes back to stewardship, is in not paying full price and knowing what you can get for what for your money, knowing what an item's worth, not paying more than you need to. Uh, emergencies aside. Mm-hmm staples aside you know we talk about food different items you can get a different item not the brand name um coupons if there's a coupon for it that's not necessarily negotiating but that is more money back in your pocket Mm -hmm. that is being a good steward of what you have um the big one again is is just knowing what something's worth searching for it doing your research and If somebody's giving you something 5% over, 10% over, you make that decision. Is it worth my time to go somewhere else and get it? Do I need it today? Can I wait a week? You know, how hot is this item? Is this a a one-of-a-kind, you know, Mick Jagger's lips collector napkin or, you know, whatever that, you know, nobody needs to begin with. But that was the first thing that came to mind for some (laughs) really odd reason. About uh, so I've got I've got a question for you. Kid, so you you made the you made the comment that you haven't done as good with buying with cash as I have. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? I for one am not as a strong negotiator, but I've gone into different situations with cash and straight up asked cash, but you know. Do I get a better deal? And I'll say absolutely not. Which, you know, that was the thing with Dave early on was you always get a better deal with cash. That has not worked for me. Um, so what what did you try that, to buy where that wasn't going to be a viable option? Cars and furniture. For sure. Um, those are at least where the big purchase items you know, we had the purchase last year of a vehicle and there was the way of financing it and then paying it off. But then you had to go through all the hoops of, you know, they still make you sit in the finance office, which drives me nuts. Um, <laughs> even for hours when you've got a check right in hand to pay for it. But anyway, the, I, I think there is a way with financing that that gives them an idea that, you know, that's money back in their pocket. Yeah. But then you turn around a month or two later and pay it off with cash, but you've gone through all the hoops to get there. And I don't know, for some, that might be a conscious thing. So, well, and because what, what I've kind of seen is, especially from a vehicle standpoint, 
and I'm going mean, I, I have limited experience, but I have been successful in my experiences. You know, we, we've got two vehicles that we, we went and we pay with literal hundred dollar bills for, and both of those vehicles, I, I made my negotiating offer and I didn't even mention that I was paying with cash until I made my final bid and I told them, okay, this is my cash offer. I'm going to hand this over to you right now. But I never even, I just made the flat negotiation on what the value was, what, you know, all of the back and forth and never said cash until I finally had my final dollar. And I, and from what I've heard from dealerships, and this kind of goes into what you said there about the financing thing, they, they, you know, or what dealership or, or, or rather, anytime you're talking about, you know, typically you're not buying a car with cash. Typically it is a financed option. I think that's automatically kind of figured into how they price, how they sell. And mm -hmm. if you can negotiate down to your cash offer and get them to accept, and then you say, you know, hey, how you can pay in cash, you know, the deal is already done at that point. Cause I have seen very, very few dealers that will give you a better offer cash because they know mm -hmm. they're going to lose money on it. And they know that if you don't buy it, someone else will at full price. So no, they're not going to give you a discount on the deal. But I see mm -hmm. a lot of people where they fail on buying the vehicle on a negotiating deal is they do think that they can come in and they can make that cash offer and that that cash is going to leverage them. And like you've experienced, the cash is not the leverage until the deal has already been made. And at that point, like, okay, I'm going to give, I'll give this to you. Will you take it? Because this is my cash offer today. But until then, I was like, well, someone else is going to pay for a full price. So you got the money or you don't. Um, mm -hmm. So that, that's been my experience. And I, and I'm, I would estimate that laying the cash coming in later on could be more beneficial. What's your thoughts on that process? Very likely. I can tell you in both of those deals that I walked away. So um, now in my vehicle purchases, I would say that with a used vehicle from an individual, you're more likely with cash in hand to get a better deal. Mm -hmm. The other side of that is in selling a vehicle, you know what your price point is. And if somebody will come down, you only come down to within that price point. Um, right. So, so again, there's negotiation there, but a seller feels a lot better with cash in hand than they do with a piece of paper. Um, yep. even I, as a seller really don't want to take somebody's check and be out. You know, I don't care if I got a good deal or not in selling my vehicle. I, I just, I'm not a fan of that check. So, yeah. um, yeah, I just, it makes sense because you're talking about it being a cash at the end of the deal after you've already secured a deal. You know, my experience is purchasing cars. I've purchased one closer to the West coast and closer to the East coast and they were good deals or they were one of one available at the time. Um, yeah. So, you know, the deal is, okay, it's a good price. I'm willing to buy it on the truck. The, uh, the interesting thing was they had a couple of things that I didn't need. And I said, I, I'm not paying for these things. 
and yep. they didn't take anything off because in that state they were required. I'm like, you don't understand. I don't live in your state <clears throat> where I live. I don't even have the ability to use that option. And, yeah. uh, the, the salesman ended up just <clears throat> ghosted me. So my wife stepped in and called back and talked to somebody else and said, we're going to buy this car. And in 10 minutes, somebody called us and said, we'll pick you up. So they weren't enterprise. They were a car dealer and they got us at the airport. So, yeah. Um, yeah, th that guy didn't want to deal. I said, you don't understand. We, we, we are buying this truck. You have a buyer who wants to pay. Mm -hmm. And I think this is what I ended up telling the guy. I said, you really are going to lose a sale over $500. And just, that was the end of it. No more response. And uh, yeah. so he lost the sale. Now, ironically, a year after I bought the truck, I started getting emails from him. I'm like, why am I getting emails from you? You didn't even sell it to me. So. Uh, another question that kind of popped into my mind um, from earlier. Whenever you are in a one-on-one a -on -one negotiation, <clears throat> how, how far do you personally for lack of a better phrase, push the envelope before you feel like you are out of your comfort zone and your ability to get a lower price. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. um, well, from, from the way I do it, I'm doing research beforehand and I'm going into something that's a good deal already. So mm -hmm. if I can get a better price, fantastic. So I don't do a lot of pushing. Um, you know, there's one concept of if the immediate response is yes, then you didn't ask for a low enough price. Um, <laughs> right. But, you know, and I go back to vehicles because that's the one I've had the most experience with, even though I've only bought a handful over two decades at this point, that in those cases, um, this last one especially, the, the guy that we talked to initially, he did the bartering or the bargaining and then he'd go back to a sales manager and that's the way all of them do it but it just was yeah. funny it was humorous to me for this guy to it was almost like he was playing a game he was a nice guy he's like well yep. this is what they'll do they do this blah, blah, blah. well i'm on your side on this and blah 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 i'm like this is my price <laughs> well they won't take uh -huh. that well they won't take that okay well we weren't coming at the same figure from the same way. And what he mm -hmm. said, the price needs to be that I was saying there was a $500 difference, but that had to do with some figure on something that actually with that $500, that was the price. That was my lowest price that I was going to go for. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it somehow ended up being the price that they took. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of negotiation to it, but the whole going behind the black windows to, you know, <clears> disappear <throat> to get a cup of right. coffee and a donut and whatever and come back. Uh, <laughs> it was just like this, this is humorous to me because this is, this was a good price to begin with. This was my mm -hmm. price. This is what I want it for that $500. I went lower and there was a no on it no big deal because this is, this was my, this was my price point. So yeah, yeah, I do a little bit of pushing, but I know for sure what that item is worth or what I'm willing to pay for it. And if it's that price or close, I feel that I've got yeah. a good deal. And hopefully the person on the other side feels the same. Well, folks, that's going to wrap up the part two of this series on stewardship and negotiation. 
And I'm excited for next week as I get to share some tips and tactics on um, low pressure ways to negotiate a, a large purchase. And we really uncover how you can maintain control over your money, over your purchase, over the situation without feeling like you're dominating and without feeling like you are overbearing in the moment. So it's be an exciting conversation for that. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating for the podcast and let us know what you really like about it, what you want to see differently, and how we can improve upon this show. We love having that feedback. And we'll see you all again next week on The Heart of Money.